Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dork down for a Hi, Jackie Cation here. You're listening to The Dork Forest. You know the websites, dorkforest.com, thedorkforest.com. If you like a determiner, JackieCation.com has everything. Both of my podcasts, all of the stand-up stuff, the new album, links to YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all the things. But so, I think, does dorkforest.com, where you can look at old videos of different shows. Anyway, if you want to support the show, tell people about the show, review it on iTunes, thumbs it up on Pandora or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. I appreciate that. You can donate. You can donate monthly. PayPal lets you do that. You can also do my Venmo if you like. It's at Jackie Cation absolutely everywhere. And my email address is Jackie at JackieCation.com. And that's what the PayPal is. The PayPal link is on JackieCation.com and DorkForest.com. And go to any of them. Thanks for listening. There's merch. There's stand-up. There's tour guide. You know, you can find out where I'm touring. This is getting long. So let's get into the show. Hey, Jackie Cation, I'm in my living room. Spider-Man, right? Uh-oh, that way. There he is. And uh, I am with Andrea Jones-Roy. Andrea Jones-Roy has her own website calling called Majoring in Everything, which has a very Dork Forest vibe to it, as far as I can Because I'm sure people can talk about anything, right, Andrea? Exactly. Jones-Roy. Yeah. And by the way, uh, on tw- TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all the things, it's Jones-Roy, but two two O's, J-O-N-E-S-R-O-O-Y, and it's jonesroy.com. This will all be in the notes, uh, majoring in everything, also in the notes. Uh, so majoring in everything, yeah, so it has that vibe to it? Yes, yes, and sometimes, this is how scattered I am. Sometimes, even now, I'm like, is that the right topic? Should I have done something else? And it's like, I can literally talk about whatever I want, and yet I still feel constrained. <laughs> so that's... That's for me and my therapist to work through, but that's right, right. where I'm feeling. Do you have yeah. guests on majoring and everything? Yes. So okay. e, the the conceit of the show is I could never pick a thing to focus on because I love a variety of things. And so it's trying to talk to other people who also have a million different interests that are seemingly unrelated and uh, how they make sense of their lives and what they've done and whether <laughs> they fit them together or do it separately. Right, so right. I feel like you'd be a good fit for the show if you'd like to come on. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, the, the main difference is that uh, there is no expertise on the Dork Forest. Uh, it's, it, there can be, and there, and there definitely is a celebration of minutiae. But yes. let me say that uh, enthusiasm often trumps uh, yes. expertise. And who doesn't love to yell uh, at, their, at their device while they're listening to a show going, you actually got that wrong. You got that yeah. wrong. Uh, <laughs> I said that Joe Rogan was on Frasier. He was on News Radio. Mm-hmm. Ah, mm-hmm. Big, I see. Yeah, big swap, big switch. Try big to live problem. that down. Trump. Yeah, the internet's very mad. And the t- <laughs> turns out, uh, I am making errors all the time. So uh, if someone someone can't pick a specific thing for me to live down, it's yeah. it's uh, it is a broad and varied choice of things that I've been wrong about. There are buildings I full try of things to, I don't know. Yeah, I try to avoid facts at all costs. <laughs> just to just to. You know, I'm not lying to anyone, but I'm not going to state anything that's like you could look up. Interesting, <laughs> sort of my because one of your one of your dorkdoms or the main yeah. was data science. That's right. Which sounds like a, a celebration of spreadsheets. It is a celebration of spreadsheets, and I might use that as the tagline for my course when I <laughs> teach it next semester. <laughs> Please do. It's uh, yeah. people love it. 
Yeah, like in, in curly writing, like, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Jonesroy cordially invite you to a celebration <laughs> of spreadsheets. And they're like, who? Isn't it just one person? They're like, don't worry about it. I'm going to hang up on it. It is a salvation of spreadsheets. But the thing is, and people people think, oh, if you're a data scientist, you must be good at like trivia, Jeopardy, and you must just know all the facts because what is data if not a collection of facts? The problem is I don't know any individual data points. I sort of look at them all in aggregate. So okay. I can tell you, oh, that went up over time, but I can't tell you like who the president was in most years of human history. Right, right. Um, yeah. And certainly not before 1776, but uh, exactly. or 82. It <laughs> well, would maybe be 82. We could both kill it on right. that front. Wait, like, right now. <laughs> but before then. And yeah. um, so the, but what, so what does it, what does it mean then? What is it? So it's a celebration. You have information and you like to collect it. Yes. About a variety <laughs> of things. Yes. What? But never look at it too closely, right? You're looking at, we're thinking scatter plots, we're thinking trend lines, you know, okay. very, very high levels. What stuff. are you, what are you working on right now? Like what's open now? If I, if you were to look at your laptop and see an Excel, uh, yes. Excel is open and you're like, oh, Excel. look, what's corn oh, production open. in Wisconsin like? <laughs> uh. Yeah, I could probably find that out for you, but I currently have two things going on. One is I do a lot of research for companies who work in, I'm putting this in heavy air quotes, people analytics, because there's a lot of problems with that term, but it's basically like data about people at work. So the dreaded, I don't know if you are a corporate person or have done the nine to five business, uh, or it, I, I don't know, I feel like it's in the middle of the afternoon and we're doing a podcast, so maybe not. But uh, <laughs> any of your listeners who are, uh, you know, if you take an engagement survey and you're like, this sucks, this is the worst thing I've ever done and no one's listening to this and the data is terrible, I go into companies and I help them either make sense of it or do a better job of asking those sorts of questions and like doing analyses. But I also am like happen to be launching a project that I don't know where your listener base stands on this or where you stand on this, but I am very intrigued by the gun control debate. Intrigued is an interesting word. Depressed, furious, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> Terrified, like, all too, these things. Yes. Yeah, too positive. But I, I, I have gone down the rabbit hole of looking at a lot of conservative, big shock in lower Manhattan, here I am being liberal, but a lot of conservative data around gun control where they insist that guns make everyone safer. And I'm just like, I don't think that can be the case. So I'm like about to launch like a whole weekend project of going through gun data. That's okay. what I'm probably going to do. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what is an analytics survey that someone might get at their work? So you'd get a survey like once a year or some companies do it ha twice a year where you say, you know, it's they're usually super long and tedious and not good. <laughs> and it's like 50 questions where it's like, I feel like I can bring my authentic self to work every day. Somewhat strongly disagree, wow. somewhat disagree, but, 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 but like five choices, right? Uh, I believe my manager has my career interests at heart. I would recommend working at this company to a friend, that oh. kind of stuff. It's like when, when at the end of the call at Delta, one, uh, exactly. between one to five, would you hire this person for? Yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, actually, sounds... I love that you mentioned that because I use that example when I talk to clients and companies as an example, and it's a pretty dumb survey, but it's actually way better than what they do. And I say, think about what Delta's doing. Try that. Right. It's, <laughs> it's super one question. It's... it's to the point. Yeah. And it's over. Yeah. And, and you want to be supportive and, and if it's a, and they probably only get a bump or a bonus if it's always a five. Right. And, um, so it's amazing to me that there are analytics surveys where that, where they want to know 
is this the best thing in your life? You work at yeah. this job. And you're like, yeah, it isn't. Yeah, it is. It's, and then they I, freak out. They freak out because you're like, yeah, but I'm bal- I'm literally I'm an insurance adjuster. Or I'm a, I'm a, I answer the phones at a captioning yeah. company, which was my last. Oh, wow. I was last, like, that is specific. <laughs> right, right. My last day job was I was the traffic person. And all that that means is I signed things and out, in and out. And wow. also sort of a, uh, there was a lot of catch all to it because there wasn't really. So it was yeah, kind of an admin secretarial, um, goes make some coffee. Uh, you know, this type, you know, do whatever is needed. But it was called the traffic person because there was a lot of sort of data that needed to be. And then I would answer the phones. And when I quit that job, and I liked that job, hmm. the people I worked with were very nice. It was almost idiot proof in the fact that I didn't have to do a lot of commitment uh, intellectually or uh, emotionally to the job. I just had right. to make sure I, you know, it was it was a little bit of juggling. But it certainly wasn't like I do stand up comedy, right? So I, yeah. I uh, creatively, it did not suck. It wasn't a sales position. Yes. So it didn't yes. take a lot of that energy from me. Yes. But when I quit that job, I uh, used to have, and it still happens, but uh, I did not know it was a permanent fixture when I had that job, uh, what I call my Asperger's hump, which is mm. uh, a shooting pain in my back uh, where I am socially unhappy. Uh, I am not. <laughs> pleased. Uh, so when I quit that job, my, my whole body sort of got relaxed. Wow. Which I don't think, so I don't think anyone even, and this yeah. was a job I liked. Yeah. As you were saying that, I was like, I gotta, I gotta quit them all. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so tense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is that it's, it's the whole exercise sucks really. And I'm going to lose all my jobs now for saying this, well, but I mean it, but there is just like, there might be a way to yeah. fix it. I don't know. Right. So one, you could ask better questions, which is one thing that I advise people on. So I did a lot of survey research in grad school and like that sort of stuff. So it's like there are ways to ask questions that you 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 make exactly as you said. You sound like you're trying to find out, is this the most important thing in your life? Would you literally like leave your husband if we asked you to? And you're like, yes, thank you. You know, and I'd be pleased <laughs> I, to do I it. Wanted, and is there another yeah. 75 cents an hour? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Would you, will there be Nutrigrain bars for free <laughs> some Fridays? You know, whatever. Done. Done. So it's like, you could, you could do it where it's like, do you feel that you're respected or what? Blah, blah, blah. And like, it sounds like, you know, questions that would tap into like, is this generally a pleasant experience for you? Right. right. So they ask these extreme questions. Then they freak out if the numbers aren't a hundred percent or if they've gone down. And then they, sometimes I come in in another capacity to do like more heavy air quotes, focus groups where I sit with them and I say, I'm an external consultant. What do you want me to tell your leadership about what would make life better at the company? Right. And they will tell me things that are really meaningful and powerful. Like the leadership doesn't seem to have any empathy. They don't really seem to care about what we're going through. They don't realize that it's like tough to find a place to live in this city. They, they don't respect us to, to manage our own time. Blah, 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 blah. Really good stuff. I shouldn't say blah, blah, blah. And then I'll go to the leaders and say, well, this is what they said. And they say, hmm, a second coffee machine. Okay, here, uh, we hear you. And you're like, oh, my God. Right. So, And if it goes up, if engagement goes up, uh, <laughs> not, not too much as, thing is too, too much minutiae. There, there's too much minutiae right here. But if, no, the, no. if the engagement results go up, they all high five each other and say, everyone's more engaged. We're doing it. But probably all the miserable people quit since you lasted the survey. Right, right. And I will say this is... Um, my sister was sitting with um, 
her boss and a lateral VP dude. And they were uh, congratulating themselves on the diversity in oh, their, in their company, <laughs> the, these two white guys. And, right. um, and my sister is gay and, uh, has a darker complexion than me. Cause she's more Armenian looking. Mm. And she's like, I'm your diversity. This is, you, you have to either <laughs> stop congratulating yourself or literally hire some more people Yeah, because you're killing this conversation is I'm going to cut myself. And they yeah. were like, what, well, what do you mean? We hired that guy from Pakistan. And she's like, he's from India and you <laughs> are out of your minds. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, I've done that too. I've done the diversity survey thing where they just, you know, the categories are problematic. They reinforced it. It's the whole thing's a mess. But I also have had a similar conversation. One of my first consulting jobs where I sat with like this fancy C-suite people who are all congratulating themselves. And they say, well, here in our C-suite, we have uh, people of color. We have women. And, and it turned out it was one woman of color. Yes. Was, was it. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, you don't get to tick two boxes. Like intersectionality is a whole thing. But like, you don't get to give right. yourself two stars Yes. And the other thing that uh, my husband uh, has a podcast called Ethics and Video Games because he Ooh. makes video games and his buddy is a philosophy uh, professor. Oh, and cool. he has lost two jobs because one of the questions in interviews he's asked is, what is your what are your ethics? And they're like, oh, we don't want to actually work with you. So uh, wow. but the uh, but the thing is, is one of the women, one of the professors that they in, uh, interviewed does uh, she doesn't use the word. And I just remembered this is she doesn't use the word diversity. She uses uh, the word homogeneity. And she's hmm. like, what we're looking for is we're trying to get away from homogeneity. Hmm. We just okay. want it. We don't want it to be all men. We don't necessarily want it to be all women. We don't right. want it to be all people of color. We don't want it right. to be all black or all white. We want it to be because that literally that diversity will make for um, more information and yes. more it, it, it sells more tickets. It's it's sort yeah. of like a stand-up comedy. If you book all exactly. straight white guys, a lot yeah. of straight white guys, they're already coming. But if you yeah. book an Asian woman, the Asian yeah. community in that town, even if it's that specific, you know, if it's just the Korean community, is like, what's happening? There's a Korean yeah. comic. More women will come. Everyone has jobs. Money can yep. be spent. And uh, it makes a better show because so I do stand-up comedy as well, and I will be, you know, the token non-man on a lineup. And the the Andrea, good news is I didn't yeah. know you did stand up. You do stand up in New York. Yeah, I do. I didn't mention it in my list. I almost did in my list of like minutiae that I could get into. But I was like, oh, I'm sure you talk to nothing but stand up comedians. Right. And so I figured you knew that. But stand up yeah. is hard on the dork forest, but it's always nice to plug the fact yeah. that uh, you guys should go see Andrea uh, Jones Roy do stand up comedy. Uh, there you go. Because yes. that is an exciting and plus, you can see me Jackie up against a lineup of dudes. Right. You can see, right. <laughs> yeah. We can all shine in that situation. Exactly. And, uh, I have another podcast, The Jackie and Lori Show, where we're always yeah. looking for comics of the week who all happen to be women. They just happen to be hey. women. Lori Kilmartin yeah. and I uh, yeah. just happen to, uh, we haven't, we've had, <laughs> you know, we had several hundred episodes. We just haven't found a funny dude. Not that men aren't funny. Uh, they're plenty funny. But the uh, some some can be funny if you're like willing to listen, you know, yeah, but exactly. Mm, yeah. it's, just, it's just not for me. It's not. Well, I, I, they're usually not talking to me. So, yeah. no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but the uh, or am I? But here's the scoop about the analytics thing is, do you ever think about that scene in Mad Men where he sells the slide projector, the carousel slide projector, and he sells it as nostalgia? 
Yes. He doesn't sell it as anything but. Yes. And so putting the, the, the those questions feel like those kind of questions where mm. you're not really, they're not, they're not necessarily going to help the workplace to have these kind of questions. Yes. Yes. I'm, yeah. No, I'm so glad you mentioned Mad Men because I was, I literally like watched that scene somewhat recently because I wanted to reference it for something. But where I thought you were going was the scene, maybe it's the same episode, I'm not sure, where he, I don't think so, where, where the person who leads the focus groups and is the analytics person comes in and is like, I'm going to ask the women what kind of lipstick they want. And then what they tell me is going to be what I produce. And, and, and Don Draper is like, no, we have ideas. We tell people what they want and we sell it to them and we, we promise a better life or we sell them nostalgia and all these things. And mm-hmm. honestly, for all my time in analytics, I mean, his, his sales, it's all kind of, you know, crap and capitalist and evil, but, but he's onto something. And I think my companies that I work with forget that we should start with ideas when we think about data. Instead, they say, let's just throw 500 questions at these people and look for the quote insight that will tell us what to do, which is get a second coffee machine. Whereas it's like, if someone in the C-suite paused to think for one second, like, why might someone not like working here? Why might someone who is a member of a minority group find it difficult to work in this environment? What is it that we're doing? And if you just thought for a second, you could generate much more thoughtful survey questions. You would look at the data you have with fresh eyes and you just don't see any of it. How about this? Here's a, here's a yeah. question I would like to ask everyone's workplace, right. which is, does everyone know that they're at work? Does everyone know that this is not (laughs) like they're not they're they're it's it's not that it can't be fun or it it can't be interesting. It's just do they know that this is not their these are not their family members. They cannot make fun fun of someone's weight. They don't. There's no there's no place here for your weird racist or sexist joke. Yes. Um, There doesn't mean that there can't you know, it doesn't mean that you have to be a sad sack or that it's going to be super glum to work here, but right. does everyone know that they are in a workplace yeah. first? And so tasks must be done. I, I yeah. used to assistant manage a hot dog stand and yeah. I, and, uh, and I would tell the kids that, um, were in charge of filling the sodas. They were like 14, 15 years old. It was a resort. And, uh, I was like, you guys, I, you can screw around. You can even, like horseplay, I don't even care as long as you stay out of the way and all of the sodas get filled in a timely fashion yeah. and, and the ketchup gets mopped up as soon as it gets stripped. And, <laughs> yeah. um, you run a tight ship at that hot dog stand. You got to run a tight ship when you're running a hot dog stand <laughs> at Cape Cod. And, yeah. uh, so, uh, <laughs> they don't mess around over there. Famous for their, their hot dog stands, very right. tiny stands. They're yeah. charging you four or five bucks for a hot dog. Uh, you better yeah. at least get it quickly <laughs> and it should be hot. Prisons are more relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great loss to the Austrian army. Mm. So, um, mm. the, um, yeah, so that's, that's interesting. So then, so you try to sort of direct that, that sort of interesting, one of the things you said was that political science wasn't political science. Uh, what do you mean by that? That was one of the data science things that you were talking about. Uh, ah, so political science is, uh, is, I got my PhD in political science. I have since morphed to data science because I was always like very interdisciplinary. And so I was basically doing the same thing just with, I was very quantitative. So like, like polling data, survey data, voting data, international conflict data, trade data, all that stuff that you might imagine as a political, political data sets. I was doing like statistics and machine learning with, and so I've switched to data science because I'm just interested in lots of other things. And so at workplace, 
data, this gun stuff that I'm going to have a cheerful weekend digging through. It's going to be so depressing. Uh, or basically, I'm just like, these people can't be right. What am I missing in the data that I'm going to... I think they're... Anyway. Uh, so the political science is is much more scientific than it sounds. And I'm going to sound very defensive because I got... One thing that helped when I switched from political science to data science, literally my job didn't change. My work didn't change. My skills didn't change. But everyone, I walk into a room and I say, hi, I'm a data scientist. And they say, oh my gosh, I could never do that. That's so amazing. What's it like? How can I learn? What is it all? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then what are the insights? Actionable insights, right? And then if I say, (laughs) hi, I'm Andrea. I'm a political scientist. They'll say either political science is not a science. Or they'll say, like, what do you think about, you know, the redistricting in, in Illinois? And you're like, I've never heard of it. I don't know, follow these races, you know? And so they, yeah. or they think you're like a pundit or a wonk or like a, right, you a just write op Right, right. Yeah. Right. It's, it's more of a talking head kind of, like, I have a degree, BA, uh, 2.87. Hold your applause. Uh, GPA. Nice. Uh, but the, I uh, respect that. You actually have to go out of your way for that. <laughs> <laughs> right. You have to almost not care. Uh, but, right. but there was a choice between poli sci or history when I went to, uh, they said I had to pick a major. Yeah. So uh, I said, how's it look? And they said, you have one more credit towards graduation in poli sci than you do in history. And I said, well, then I am a poli sci major. That's and the kind of dedication we want in this field. That's exactly. exactly right. <laughs> but this, there, but at, at the undergraduate level, there doesn't seem to be a lot of science. It does seem right. to be more um, um, history and opinion and theory and, right. and politics rather than science. Right. When I did political science in undergrad, it was the same. It was like, let's spend three weeks learning about the, the, the government in Japan. I can't even remember. It's called the diet or is that Germany? I don't know. Right. And then the government in Germany, and then we'll talk about Congress and the, how bill becomes a law and like all that kind of crap. And so I went to grad school thinking I, I really liked international relations and the big picture things about like Morgenthau and Kissinger and like the fundamental nature of war and all this kind of philosophy stuff that your, you and your husband probably know about. And I got to grad school and they're like, nah, we're, we're a quantitative program. You're going to learn statistics and game theory, which is like mathematical modeling. And I hated it for a few years. And then my brain broke and I was like, oh, I see why this is cool. And I've been very into it ever since. But I forget. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I forget that at the undergrad level, when we take political science, we're literally it's like you're reading the newspaper. Yes, basically. right. It's 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 more of a debate class than anything else. Yes. And, and and there's the yeah. history of the founding of nations and there's that whether that is domestic or international. Yeah, um, it is more relations than than science. Yeah. Exactly. So, so that that is fascinating because my one of my brothers, who is an econ professor, mm. uh, he has an undergrad in in poli sci and then oh, he cool. got his master's in urban development and he got his mm. phd in economics Very and cool. so he he has been on this show his dorkdom was hallmark christmas movies and he showed mm. us his spreadsheets uh because oh, it was i want to see that spreadsheet that's yeah, so good yeah. feel oh. free to look up the ruskation episode of the dork forest from two christmases ago and um a holiday miracle up a holiday, for us all. Back-to-back episodes. Jen Kirkman did the other Hallmark Christmas. Yeah, and she awesome. did not have any spreadsheets. She had favorite yeah. episodes. I and think if you're not putting something in a spreadsheet, I don't know how you live your life. <laughs> like, if it matters to me, it's in a spreadsheet. I have spreadsheets for... Anyway, yes. Do you have <laughs> spreadsheets? So, well, uh, Andy also enjoys a spreadsheet. Uh, he will... Uh, he likes to... He likes to see the data. He likes to see it yeah. over a course of time. How yep. did, am I, have I made the right decision? This is yeah. an interesting 
way to decide whether you've made the right decision because it's sometimes it isn't quantitative in any other measurable way. Right. Like my, the way I decide if I've made a good good decision is do I still live indoors? Right. I mean, do (laughs) do I have work in June? And, um, but what, yeah. Like, have I stolen this food that I'm relying on to stay alive? <laughs> right. It was the last time I shoplifted. It's been a long right. time. I win. Right. I win. You put up a little sign like it's been this many days <laughs> since I had to steal to stay alive. I, well, I did something similar for, I did uh, a game theoretical analysis. Actually, it was decision theoretical analysis to figure out if I should quit my job. Okay. Five, six years ago. It was my first academic job. I left academia for a while and went back. And decision theory, your economist brother will love this. Uh, is basically saying like draw out that you draw a little graph and you say here's me this dot and here are my options I could quit my job I could go part time I could take a year leave I could quit forever and I was like all I need to do is write out some equations characterizing what my payoffs will be in each of these scenarios and then it will be obvious what the optimal choice is <laughs> and I was writing it out and right now I have a picture I can I can like show you because I eventually had so many variables and it was just infinity unknowns that I was like this can't be done because like, I don't know. Am I going to get another job? I don't know. How can I put that into an equation? Right. right. So I, it didn't work. It I seems mean, it actually to be, led me to quit, but. Right. But it does yeah. like, at least you put it, when you put stuff down on paper, it does make it clearer. Yes. Like you do sort of, there are people who do those pro con lists. Yes. Like, is, yeah. is it helpful? Is it not helpful? And I think that that, that, uh, once you start writing down, like what you want out of things. A lot of people, yeah. like when they when they go to find an apartment or to find a, mm-hmm. a place to live or a city or to buy a house or to look for a boyfriend. Mm. Uh, when I went to look for a boyfriend online, because that's where you do your shopping. That's where you uh, do it. Yeah. And so online dating, a friend of Amazon mine- Amazon should just buy Tinder, have they? That's, uh, I'm I would not that be surprised. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and so, oh my God, if Bezos brought- Tinder. I know. Uh, Actually, as I said it, I was like, by should, I mean should not, but I think. Uh, uh, right. You're right. It's probably already happened. Uh, I, I, I have a, a mythical romance novel in my mind where, mm. um, where Elon Musk, it's Elon Musk. Yeah. Uh, it's Elon Musk and J.K. Rowling fall in love and both become yeah. better people. Uh, but uh, I, that world, the world needs that. The Get world needs that, and, it, and if I could just send them both a copy. Uh, yeah. So hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Don't die on that hill. So yeah. <laughs> uh, why would you? Okay. So the, the, um, but the writing of lists can make, mm-hmm. and, and the making of spreadsheets, mm-hmm. even the task itself can, can, yes. can, can drive you to see what you like about different yes. things. Yes. And, and I've ma- done that to students as an exercise. I'll say, all right, you're interested in I'm going to get fired for this too, but I I thought students were interested in things like economic inequality and uh, happiness and democracy. And it turns out they're interested in like increasing value for shareholders. I think I just have too many business students, but either way, I'll say, uh, you know, imagine your ideal data set for a thing you care about in the world. Uh, And just the, the act of being like, well, what would the rows be? What would the columns be? Even if you don't have that data can help you be like, right, this is actually what I... This is, yeah, this is what I need. This is what I'm looking for. And and it's sort of a way to stop future tripping about the future because it makes you look at it in the present while still acknowledging what you want in the future. And um, I almost want to start a spreadsheet behind this just to keep track of this conversation because that's, I mean, luckily we're recording it, but it's a very (laughs) good advice. Right. Well, I think it has, I mean, it's like, I don't, I don't, 
I can never even remember how to add in Excel. So um, the it's it's not it's that's not my. But writing things down is yeah. something that I do a fair amount of, and I can see how that doing an Excel spreadsheet, doing a spreadsheet yeah. about stuff, would also be kind of healing and and a good yes. tool. Yes. For 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 even life and um, yeah. So it's kind of like yeah. a like a a way of it's a way that I like channel all the scary uncertainties and complexities and contradictions in life is like, I, one of the things I like about data science and I like to, I don't like about political science is that politics is just like the messiest, stickiest, goriest, most horrible stuff you can think about. I think among, among the worst things you can think about, but you if you at least have like, here are the numbers of like what people are doing with respect to this issue. And like, I feel better even just mentioning it. You know, it's like, right. I don't know what you do with that, but it just makes me feel better. Well, I think it just, it takes you out of the mire of, of yeah. humanity. And because yeah. the humans are the ones that are sticky, right? They're yeah. the ones that are we're very sticky. We're just yeah. full of goo and disgusting. <laughs> and the people that choose and the wheeling dealing that happens in, in the trenches of stand of, yeah. of, of um, stand up comedy. Oh, Freudian, Freudian slip. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, is, is, if 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 you can separate yourself from it, yeah. you know, like there there is there are decisions. A woman interviewed me about the pay of features currently mm. on the road. There's you know mm. there's an MC, there's feature, there's a headliner. Feature pay has not gone up. Matter of mm. fact, it has gone down because they've taken away lodging for really? features on the road. Wow. When I first started, you would get probably a hundred bucks a night, mm. which might be fifty bucks a show but it might be a hundred bucks a show depending on how many shows in the night, but you would get a hotel room and it would be mm-hmm. at a best Western. It would be at a super eight. It wouldn't be a fancy hotel room, but you wouldn't have to sleep in your car. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have to figure out who you knew in that area that you mm-hmm. could crash at, or you wouldn't have to lose money. You would probably still just break even, um, and eat a lot of chicken wings, but it would right. be, <laughs> it would be a livable, horrible, livable wage. And right. um, she asked me about this and I was like, well, I don't feature, but from what I see on the road, it's not good and it mm-hmm. isn't fair. And so I told her what I knew of it and how I tried to troubleshoot it if I could. And mm-hmm. she only asked Maria Bamford was the only other, she like only asked like three comics and wait, mm. and one of them wasn't a comic. One of them was a guy who worked for Rick Bronson's club. And mm. so he was kind of defending it. And right. I was like, would you please ask a bunch of middle-aged white dudes uh, yes. what they're doing about it? And uh, in addition to, <laughs> to asking, because I'm, I'm constantly having to talk, talk about losing work, but I, uh, it's like I'm, I have to talk about the injustices that are either happening laterally, have happened to me, or have happened laterally or beneath me. And I'm trying to stick up for people. Yeah. But they're not asking sort of the right people these questions. Because so the so the data coming in isn't really gonna make a difference because it's all just gonna sound like uh hysterical strident a uh, girl talk. Mm-hmm. Which is which is too bad. Cause because yeah. it's not like there aren't men who have those who have good opinions, right? Who have right. a sense of justice and who right. know when they see shitty things happening and who, right. and who pay fair, who do the same thing Maria does, which is try right. to bump pay. They interviewed Margaret. She interviewed Margaret Cho as well, mm. but she didn't interview like Brian Regan mm. pay super fair. 
uh, Cat Williams pays super fair. Ron Funches pays super fair. Uh, other comics who I don't want to mention because I don't need uh, the bullshit, uh, right. which is a pity. Uh, right. Because I would like. Well, it to- sounds like, yeah, like not a representative sample to start. There right? we go. That's yeah. what it isn't in <laughs> spreadsheet talk. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it reminds me of when we do these surveys at companies, whether it's about like diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity, or more engagement, generic stuff. And then you hear from people who say, well, uh, it tends to be, you know, black employees or my, or women or LGBTQ IA folks who, who have the lowest engagement ratings or the most like strong commentary when it's like, here's what's going on. And it's usually really thoughtful and important stuff, but then they're just pinned as like, oh, well, they're just being difficult. They complain they do this, they do that. And so it's like, if you point out the inequity or the injustice, you're seen as part of the problem when it's like, no, we brought you in because we believed that diversity was valuable, that we want less homogeneity. We brought you into homogeneous culture. You found this homogeneous culture unwelcoming and difficult. And now you're pointing that out, which is what we brought you in. One of the many things we brought you in, in the hopes of changing. And we're telling you that you're difficult. Like, right, right. It just, that it sounds like what on, you're describing in comedy a, too. That's exactly yeah. what that is. Cause you, that, yes. Yeah, and it's so weird because, yeah, you're you're trying to, and and I think that anti homogeneity thing might help better than a diverse mm-hmm. than than asking for diversity, mm-hmm. because it might be easier to understand because everyone knows that we're all in our own fishbowl, yeah, and we're swimming around our own castle, and you're like, yeah. well, my castle isn't that great, but there are people who don't have castles, and you right. can't see out of your own fishbowl because of the distortion of the water. That's my analogy. That's a- that's a That's very good analogy. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah. Right, but it's so yeah, well it, done. it's it would be nice. So people who need to see these spreadsheets, you know, sort of need some pros to go with it. Yeah. It's hard it's hard to explain this stuff via spreadsheet maybe. Right. Well, that's one of the other things I'm always harping about. I actually did a presentation this morning for a bunch of people who were like, "We didn't ask for this." And it was just me <laughs> ranting. <laughs> like I was just like, just like, I'm like, and another thing about like what people get wrong about data science. And it was like, I don't even know who these people were. I think they were in insurance. I'm not, po- but I just show up and they speak about this. <laughs> I want, one of the, wait yeah. a minute. I just want yeah. a ringtone. It's like, we didn't ask for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, they're like, this is, it was like eight in the morning and they're like, whoa, like this is like, I just kind of came out of the gates just being like, here's what everyone's got wrong about data science. And I never once asked them what they thought data science was. I was just like, I got a lot of problems with you people. And I don't even know you. <laughs> Uh, But one of the things I was saying and say all the time is that people say stuff like, what does the data say? The data speaks for itself. And it's like, no, man, it doesn't do any of those things. It's numbers in a spreadsheet. And humans look at those numbers and we say, oh, they're going up. They're going up in such a way that it's interesting. They're going up faster than I thought it would. Here's what we should do about it. Like humans interpret that. So the fact that you said, um, you know, you need pros, you need words to make sense of data. And I, you know, I, I saw something once it was like, it was like every data set tells a story. Like, no, it does not. Humans tell stories with data. Right. And the interpretation, I don't know if you could change column headers. Is there a way you could change the you word can. with the column header? You sure can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of the great joys of data science is changing the column names. <laughs> <laughs> right. The column names, that's where most of the writing happens, I bet. Yeah. 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 But even that, that actually, I mean, it's, it's kind of a funny example, but it's actually very meaningful. So I'll give you an example, which is I do a data set with my students that I like from something called the World Happiness Report. 
And it's like, there's a, there's a column in this, it's like different countries and there's various other things like GDP per capita and lifespan and blah, blah, blah. And then there's this score for average self-reported happiness in the country. And we write in the data set, the variable is just called happiness and it's on a scale from one to 10. But if you look at the documentation and you know, we're in a good podcast when we're talking documentation, right? But when you look (laughs) at the documentation for the data, it says, well, actually what we do is we go around and we ask people in different countries Picture your life as being on a ladder where one, the first rung is your worst possible life and 10 is your best possible life. And where are you on this life ladder? And you say, I'm a six, I'm a four, I'm a five. And like, you know, Afghanistan is always the lowest and Denmark is always the highest. And like, it's all very depressing, right? But if you look at the data set and all you know is it's happiness, you think, oh, that's just happiness. But if you were to change that variable name to life ladder or ladder, it would remind you that all you're really doing is answering one very, very specific sort of question that people might interpret in different ways. I don't know. Maybe there are cultures where ladders are bad luck. And so you're just like, I abstain, you know, whatever. That's a kind of a silly example. <laughs> but no. But renaming the column to reflect what's actually in the data is like very valuable. That makes so much sense. Um, wow. You know, or they'll do something like wealth. But really what you mean is GDP per capita, which is very different from the wealth of a country, depending on how you're measuring wealth or, or personal wealth. And it's just your income and it doesn't include the mansion you own in, you know, Cape oh. Cod with the hot dog stand proceeds or whatever. Right, 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 <laughs> right? right, right, right. You're just like that versus gross. And right. um, yeah, that, uh, that. You got to get out there and rename your variables. That's Rename your variables, people. <laughs> <laughs> you have a oh, new man. album. It's your album there title. It is. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Please name your next uh, album, Rename Your Variables. I actually, I'm going to get my act together to make an album just so I can call it Rename Your Variables. <laughs> right. It's, uh, that is fascinating. Where have you seen this data actually used correctly or incorrectly? Got anecdotes about about data? Hmm. You know uh, what I mean? A- anecdotal evidence of Constantly. Yes. Yeah. I've got a lot of uh, data anecdotes is another uh, fun thing to think about. One, gosh, I don't know who to hate on first. (laughs) One, yeah. One study that really bothered me. I use this as an example in my classes. Uh, I worked for 538 for like a year and a half. Okay. uh, The Nate Silver, predict the world with numbers kind of thing. And uh, it wasn't the best place I've ever worked. Yeah. We never did an engagement survey, so I didn't get to tell them that. But uh, they've they've never heard me on a podcast. No exit interviews. No, nothing. We don't need to know. Just don't let the door hit you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. It was even worse than that. It was like, like I was part time and I hit the maximum. This is so boring, but I hit the maximum number of hours for a certain period. And so I was like, all right, I better like not work or else you'll have to start giving me health insurance. Perish forbid. And so we Uh. agreed like I take September off. And then in the meantime, my manager, my editor quit And so I didn't really have an editor. And so then no one emailed me to be like, do you want to come back? And in the meantime, I'd gotten another job and I eventually emailed them to say, hey, I think I don't work here anymore. Like, bye. You know, in January, they never replied. And then for like a year and a half, I got paid every federal holiday. It was awesome. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) until Biden was elected. I'll take that as a parting gift. Thank you. yeah, Yeah. I also kept their computer. They just never, it was so disorganized that like, I just disappeared into the wallpaper. Like, it was so weird. Right. It was, yeah. that is, uh... And this know, is data people, right? They, right? These are the people who should know who's in there. And it's only 30 employees at the time. It's like, I'm right there in the spreadsheet. But yeah. I'm not... 
So, so my story for them is uh, we did a survey that I helped them write, and it was very bad on uh, what it was around the Me Too height of Me Too stuff. And it was, what does it mean to be a man in America today? And we did a survey where we asked, like, yeah, like your reaction is the right one. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, yes. It was like, and the fact that that was like, they were like, what's the interesting story yeah, in what's Me Too? What's the angle? How are men feeling about being a man? <laughs> Let's probe there. You're just like, oh, this is so problematic. Oh, but so God. we did the survey and, and I like tried to help them design it. It was not very good. You know, it was like, to what extent is your physical appearance part of your identity as a man? To what extent is your community part of your identity? It was just not good. You can find the study or the, sure, the article. Sure. But the other thing that was problematic about it is we partnered with SurveyMonkey, maybe. Sure. That's what yeah. I use. I use yeah, SurveyMonkey. I, mean, I use it. Yeah. yeah. But we did it in a way that was like, you know, normally when I do like SurveyMonkey or whatever, it's like I have the pool of people that I am going to send the survey to. Whereas we used their service to where they said, okay, we have a community of survey takers who get some kind of incentive to like oh, take surveys. Okay. Maybe we pay them a quarter or something per survey, something like that. So they were like, we'll use that survey base. And until, when you get a thousand responses, we'll send you the results. And my editor and, and my co-author were like, yeah, that's great. And I was like, hold on a second. All we're getting, and it, because it's a company that makes a living on having this base of survey takers, they were not able to tell us who these people were. Right. So it's like, we are trying to make claims about like what men in America think about being men. And it's like, are we getting only who's who's taking these surveys? Probably someone who's 22 and in college, or like uh, how a tech about a person bot who knows, farm in or a bot China. farm in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I bet this is not a representative sample of men in America, and I bet they're taking the survey in a blazing hurry because they're trying to like generate whatever income or whatever they get from it. Yeah, and maybe if SurveyMonkey was able to tell us, well, it's. You know, 80% of the population is between 20 and 29. They're mostly urban. They're mostly college educated. Then we could at least use that information to adjust our inferences to say probably it's the case that people are overestimating. We're probably looking at a more liberal population or not or what, da, da, da. But they wouldn't tell us. And so I was just like, I say this to my students all the time. Like, if you don't know how the data was collected, do not use that data. That's the only data you should never, ever use. That data is useless. Yeah. You might as well. I agree. Light $300 on fire. Yeah. That is amazing. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, you can look up the article if you want. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah, sounds it's fascinating and good. horrible. It's not good. Yeah. Fascinating and horrible. Yeah. So there's a data anecdote for you where it's just like, I was like, oh, this is all shit all the way. I keep thinking <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble, but I haven't worked there for years. And they stopped right. paying me on holidays. So. Right, right. So now, and you still have that laptop, but probably not because mm -hmm. you've had to move on to a new laptop. Uh, Actually, yeah, it has since died. Yeah. So, so yeah. sad, too bad. Uh, yeah. The, yeah, I think that there's so much... There, it's it it is some sort of blanket. They they paint the world with the usefulness of data, mm -hmm. without a lot of um, the specifics that are needed to right. make it useful. I guess. Right. They kind of. I, I when I went to work there, I was very it was like after I quit academia, one of my goals was to like get the cool stuff I was learning and teaching to my students like out into the world because I was like. You know, being an NYU student is a very, very narrow fraction of the world's population. And there are particular, uh, usually relatively well-off population. And so I was just like, oh, forget this. So I was like, data journalism seems like where I want to go. And I was very excited to go there. And I was like, going to work, my vision of it was to work on like longer term projects that were more like research based, where we actually had hypotheses and ideas about the world and we tested them. 
And instead it was just like, quick, find a bunch of numbers about rebounds and make a histogram and put it out. And you're just like, but what is it telling us? What are we, why are we doing this? Like what's surprising or interesting? And it's even the name of it, it has since in retrospect, I was so excited to work there, but it's, they call themselves data-driven journalism. Yeah. And I have since come to decide that anything that's data-driven is no good. It's like ideas driven, then explored with data. Right. Is what, is what their tagline should be. Well, it's not because that's not what they're doing. They are doing data-driven journalism. I have a hippie crystal related story to go with that. I once read yes. a romance novel that what, yeah, all kinds here we of, a lot of, lot of dorkdoms all over this yeah. guy. It's uh, <laughs> and here it is. It's Rose Quartz is, oh. uh, is, um, supposedly the crystal of love, right? It should, oh. it's emotion. I and like it. Amethyst is, uh, the crystal mm. of intelligence. Mm. And, uh, I don't know what this rock is made out of, but it's by, like ammonite or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but it was right. given to me by someone who lovely loves rocks. That's their yeah. dorkdom. They're big rock yeah. dorks. Uh, and I was told in this romance novel that, Love and emotion and uh, should drive intelligence mm. to success. <gasps> and yes. it makes, because a lot of people, intelligence drives their emotions mm -hmm. towards something, mm -hmm. towards some sort of thing. But if you mm -hmm. let, if you let your heart draw, uh, push your, push what you know, then it won't push you in the wrong direction. And whatever oh. happens at the end of it. Something nice. You get whatever. That's an whatever. equation with rocks for a happy <laughs> life. You did it. That's awesome. Hello and welcome to Rock Talk. Uh, there we go. And, uh, That's awesome. Sally well, this makes me. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, this makes me think of something that I think is very interesting, which is in political science, for a long time, we copied The Economist where we said humans are rational actors or they try to be rational, but they have limited information. So maybe they make mistakes sometimes. But generally we like think as calculators, and we do what I tried to do when I was like, should I quit my job? Math can tell me. And that's how we make our decisions. Last couple of decades, political scientists said, you know what might play a role in politics? Emotion. Maybe we should pay attention to emotion. Uh -huh. And so then the framework, I'm oversimplifying, but the framework was, okay, emotion is a drag on our intelligence. So if I think this policy is right, but I'm emotionally wedded to it, I might not change my views as much. And, it was, and it's literally only in the last few years, I think, that we've been like, what if it's emotion first and then reasoning about politics? And you beat them all to it with your rocks. Uh, right. <laughs> it turns out Elizabeth Lowell wrote about it in a romance yeah. novel in the 90s. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> you should have read that because we were just like, no, literally emotions were like an asterisk that made us worse decision makers. And that was just, and you know what? It was a lot of straight white dudes who were writing the political science Right, at that time. right, and they had emotions, and and they yeah. had, uh, and there's all this sort of entitlement and privilege, and all these right. things that make us unaware of of what's happening in other people's lives and other people's yes. worlds, which is still yeah. something I'm learning. You know, I mean, I'm sitting yeah. middle aged white lady over here, uh, sitting in a gravy boat, and so I I have my own onion that needs to be more, more to be revealed so that I notice that other people are also alive and have right. the same hopes and dreams and, and right. everybody's a person. So, right. um, even, even people who like guns to be very like, right, I'm like right. struggling, They're just, you know, and, right. and hate abortion and all the rest. Again, not to assume right. your politics, but like, well, uh, I have to remind myself. <laughs> always, always funny about my politics. What my brother, my brother, my dad said to me several years ago, he's like, you ever get in trouble? You ever, anybody ever want to get mad at you about your politics? And 
recently, yes. But for the most part, no. Because people look at me and they're like, what's she going to do? Vote? I'm terrified. <laughs> anyway, and so, yeah. and I, and my stuff is Sign more- Sign an online petition, maybe, if you had a couple. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I'm going to send $100 to something. And right. um, so- but it's so like a very mainstream candidate. <laughs> like, 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 you know, I, I donated to Obama. That yeah. was what's going on with me exactly. in my life. Right, you right. Know? Yeah. So, but it was, I mean, and people assume that, that it's, it's that. And then there's the other bit I do is about how everybody's just a sausage casing. And, mm. and then we're all just a stack of meat with a brain on top. And mm. if we could meet the sauce, the, the, the stack of meat with the brain on top first, and then play Mary fuck kill, uh, yeah. <laughs> it would simplify, you know, it would, it would, it would level the playing field. Yeah. And even sex, even sexually, you might get into some sort of sexy times cause you really like the stack of meat with a brain on top, even though usually I'm attracted to sausage casings. So, um, but the, uh, you know, but, and it's not that I don't want people to celebrate their sausage casings. Please do. Right. You've got that thing that hangs <laughs> off of it. It's a certain shade. Do whatever you need to do. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but meat, meat first and <laughs> brain first. Now I'm just like, we're, we're sauteing sausages in onions and it's oh, all very fragrant. As I always yeah. like to say, please do not use this for cannibalism. The sausage mm, analogy. Noted. Yes, please. Yes. There you go. Yes. And, right. uh, but I've weeded off and it's got, what about, what what about uh something that you think that uh, a a data science that that's worked that 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 you think mm. is, was really very helpful or that was successfully mm. gave some information that you were yeah. or, or at least excited that you were to to do the study right Right. Well, I'd like the, so the happiness data I've been talking about, it sounds a little banal, but it's like, honestly, most data we collect is about miserable stuff because understandably we hope to fix problems. Yep. Uh, but you can go to literally happiness, worldhappiness.report. Okay. And you can look at the summaries of their studies and like for all my, my complaining about their ladder setup, I think they've done as good a job as you can on something as, as abstract as this. And it's really interesting to look at things like they did a big special about COVID and they've done, uh, I do some stuff with my students where we track the U.S. happiness over time and it's like 2016, things go down and you're like, I wonder what's going on there. So it's, it's an interesting place and it's relatively accessible and you can download the data. So I like that. Uh, otherwise, I mean, there's one of my favorite things in data science, very hard to pull off, but when you can is anytime someone manages to do a natural experiment, which is like a treatment and control situation, like you might imagine for like a drug trial, but it's in the real world with what we call observational data, which is most of the data we have, which is like, did the economy go up? Well, let's write down those numbers and find out. Is oil production going down? Write down those, like observation. We're not doing a study. And one of my favorite ones, stop me if this is like way too long, but one of my favorite studies is a study I saw years ago about air pollution and its impacts on human health. So we all have the idea that, that air pollution is bad for our health, like yeah. Wild hypothesis, right? But how do you actually test that? Because you can't put people in a room and have car exhaust pumped in for two weeks until <clears> it happens, right? Yeah. I mean, you can, and they, I think we have in history, but you should. Uh, but all of those people have been certainly vilified, uh, and, exactly. and correctly so, yes. Right, yeah. right, right. Their, their research has been uh, heavily redacted, and <laughs> we're all glad for it. <laughs> like, not in the <laughs> Journal of the Annals of Medicine or whatever. So what do you do? Well, you look at observational data that says, well, there's more lung problems in places with higher pollution, and you're kind of like, Okay, that's probably informative, but correlation is not causation. Is there something else we can do? These researchers did this study. So in Beijing, they're in China. They have one of those policies. I think London has it. Other cities have it where if your car license plate ends in an odd number, you can go into the city center with no fee or whatever on certain days. 
And every other day, cars with even license plates can go in, right? Oh, interesting. We have, those are everywhere. It so happens that in China, there is a big superstition around the number eight. So everyone loves the number eight. Eight is considered very auspicious. I lived in China for a few years, and even I still think about it. I'm like, ooh, there's an eight in that address. What an auspicious place to live. You know, that must, people will pay extra for phone numbers with eights in it, with addresses, all this stuff. Oh, interesting. So people go out of their way to get license plates that end in the number eight. Okay. So that means that every other day when the evens drive into the city, there's way more traffic and way more cars. And so what happened is Beijing inadvertently created an experiment where every other day, the entire city is subject to a treatment of way more air pollution, like twice as much exhaust from cars. And so then the researchers were able to take the data from people calling into the hospital on even days and odd days, and there were way more calls to the hospital on even days when there were way more cars. So you can almost get at like causality and say, wow, this traffic is causing people to go to the hospital with respiratory problems. Never mind. I mean, we're not talking long-term stuff. It's it's an imperfect study, but isn't that genius? That's how you use data, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got chills just thinking about it. That's how you do it. That is an amazing dorkdom. By the way, I need a cigarette. Everyone should know that I'm talking to Andrea Jones-Roy and it's at Jones-Roy, J-O-N-E-S. Roy is spelled R-O-O-Y and jonesroy.com. Her podcast is called Majoring in Everything, and she's a stand-up comic and uh, a data uh, scientist uh, analysis, uh, and we're talking about it, and we're doing yeah. and we're doing good work. What? That's a great example of, of oh, right. how it just. I didn't happened. know if it was too involved, but it's oh no, uh, no, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. that's a good. That's well, a good one. Yeah, yeah. The challenge, yeah, when the minutiae is, is coming in hot, so appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. <laughs> right, if you, <laughs> like, if you got another one, I'd love to hear it, because that was actually fascinating. Because I do wonder, do a, lot of, do a lot of cities do that even odd thing where they try to regulate traffic that way? Some. I don't know a ton about, like, you know, it's like a climate change slash congestion thing. And I think New York has done the version, we're constantly debating it, should there be like a congestion tax? I think there is a congestion tax. You know, you pay more to get into the city and all that kind of stuff. But I I think London, I think a handful of other cities have the like, you know, certain days you can drive in. And basically the idea is to nudge people, I think, towards public transportation. That said, all of this was before COVID. So I don't know how much the like hybrid work thing has has meddled with any of that. Oh, right. I do remember that when... Um, we went into lockdown here in Los Angeles and when China went into lockdown, yeah, that, that, that yeah. affected air quality across the planet. Yes. And that was, was kind so of good for the planet. <laughs> right. Right. I'm sure yeah. the planet was like, that's why I created this virus is yeah. so that yeah. uh, you people would stop it. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I'm going to pour bleach on the whole exercise <laughs> because I need to like chill everything out. Right. I, yeah. you're killing me. So we're going to yeah. kill a bunch of you to try to slow down this. This just essentially, I think of sometimes I think of the virus as uh, the Earth's antibodies, and yeah, uh, and right. then we are the parasite, and they are fighting. The Earth is fighting as hard as it can. It's just a, it's 100%. just a, a life. It's just an organism, right? Yeah, monkeypox, all the rest. Yeah, yeah the fires, right? Yeah, the fires, the tornadoes, the everything yeah. is just like we are. There really eight billion of that one thing. On it's this horrible. planet, we are a horrible virus. I think that when I walk around, I'm just like, we've just smothered a beautiful planet with concrete. How disgusting! <laughs> right, right. It's like psoriasis on the Earth. And uh, any number of comics have done this joke, which is, um, mm. we can't. The planet will be fine. 
Uh, we the planet will kill us, and it will continue to exist. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. it was they're a, the one. It was a with George, volcanoes, right? It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a George Carlin bit. It was a mm-hmm. Dennis Miller bit before he went off the deep end. It mm-hmm. was um, a couple of great. Those were the two that I remember who did jokes like that. So they were yeah. good ones. Yeah. I think even uh, you know before all the the stuff went down, Louis C.K. had a joke in that direction where he oh, there was you go. like. Yeah, he was like, why did you have to create jobs and an economy and roads? Like, I gave you fruit and chocolate and grass. Like, why right. did you do all that right, just right. to get more food? Uh, anyway, but enough. It's, he's uh, had enough. He's yeah. had enough. It's, uh, <laughs> he's had enough. It's, I'm just waiting for the deal where um, my next iPhone has his special on it and I can't delete Ooh. it. Uh, <laughs> it would be ironic. Anyway. One more thing for me to worry about now. It's, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I saw him on the street the other day. I tried to sell him a comedy ticket. He wasn't interested. Oh, so. were you barking? Mm-hmm. That's wow. the kind of level I'm at. Okay. Yeah. All right. Everybody yeah. fucking, her Venmo is yeah. Jones Roy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, yeah. yeah, I have to say that, um, yeah. So what, um, what are your favorite kinds of spreadsheets? Are they, do you like, mm. when in presentation, do you like uh, a pie graph? I don't know. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm reaching at this point. <laughs> mm. Well, you struck a nerve because I have very strong opinions about a pie graph. Oh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. Which is they should never be used, possibly even when you're talking about amounts of pie that's left. <laughs> They're worthless graph and I hate them. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't even talk to me. You're insulting my, uh, my whole family by bringing up a pie graph. That's, that part is not true, but I don't like them. They're terrible. Even worse than a pie graph is those ring graphs, where at least in the pie graph, you have the middle filled out and you kind of can see the triangle angles. You can kind of see the difference. But sometimes it's just like an inner tube. Yep. And they just fill in and you're just like, I can't tell what this is. Why is this a thing? Yeah. Right. It can always be a bar chart. Your bar chart? pie graph. Okay. So your favorite is a bar chart? I, I like a histogram, I would say. Okay. Like what does a histogram look like? What does a histogram look like? <laughs> a histogram is a bar chart for a continuous variable. So what that means is it's anytime you look at something that's like, here's the distribution of like human heights. And it kind of is like that normal distribution. Like people call it the bell curve. I use it in heavy quotes because that term has been very, very dangerously misused. And so we don't like it, but that's like the idea. Okay. And so it tells you, or you could have something that's like a, a bimodal distribution, which means you have a lot of people who have like a low value and then nothing in the middle. And then a lot of people who have a high value. So overall, I like to look at the distribution of a variable. There it is. Yes. It, okay. So it's different than a bar graph. Right. Okay. But it looks like a bar graph. Right. The main difference is that the, the bars are all touching each other in a histogram or usually. Depending oh, on how you've done. interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, they are. Uh, whereas a bar chart, you'll use oh. it for like a categorical variable. So if you were like, what is your job? Comedian, hot dog manager, et cetera. Like that would be a bar chart. Right. Look, uh, so there you go. Histogram you versus go. bar chart. Yes. There is a, uh, yeah, it's okay. This show imagery is finding itself, you know? Yeah. This People is, are in for a treat. Yeah. People, <laughs> you really are. You got to watch this one on the YouTubes, you guys. Yeah. You got to <laughs> check it visual. out. It's a visual one where we're looking at, and we're looking at rocks. We're looking at charts. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I do need though is, um, is how, and, and you probably just explained it, how the, the histogram like this, let me, let me pull one up. It is, um, 
This is a distribution of salaries of the employees of the ABC Corporation. The the up, fascinating right the number <laughs> the right the number of employees and mm-hmm. the salary in thousands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So between five hundred and six hundred of oh this is ABC Corporation is an example. This is an example mm. histogram. This is not actually ABC. The American Broadcasting Company. So much for our insights. I know. know? Quite honestly, it wasn't even that interesting. Let's think of a spicy example to grab their attention. Like, I know, salaries of ABC Corporation employees. Well, remember, there was was at one point, and I think Ben & Jerry sold their company, but Mm. they used to have a rule that nobody could be paid more than 100 times more than the person who made the lowest amount of money. So if the janitor was making 10 bucks an hour, no one could make more than a hundred grand an hour or something or whatever the actual math would be on that, which might be that. Well, and and if you look at salary data, actually, it's typically not, depends on the the area and what you're looking at, but if you look at like salary data in the United States or wealth data, it's, it's what we would call power law distributed usually. And what that means is it's sort of like a long tail. So a lot of people make not that much money up to, you know, Definitely, most people make less than 100000 in the United States per year. Yep. But then you have the Musks and the Bezos and the Gates and all the rest who create this really, 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 really long tail where they make a fortune every year. Right. And so it sounds like what Ben and Jerry's was doing was saying, like, we don't like this shape of inequality, so let's artificially jam it together, which I think is actually cool. Right. And and I think it uh, it because it just meant that they were – if they wanted to make a lot of money, they had to pay more money at the lowest yeah. level. So yeah. if that guy is now making 25 bucks an hour, they yeah. can then make 250 grand an hour. Yeah. And uh, that cool. isn't going to cost them that much money. Yeah. So uh, it's actually an excellent, I think, an excellent example of, of, yeah. of and- how to pay, do, do yes. a pay, pay scale. And you think about it, I'm not an economist and certainly not like a labor wage economist, but I have I have my political and personal opinions about the Great Recession and all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of like, yeah, well, we're all sick of working super hard for no money. So how about you give us more money and we'll show up? Right, right. And, and, <laughs> and inflation comes from the fact that with 16 months of people actually not working and, yeah. and making an OK living while getting enough sleep uh, right. was probably like will change society, you know, Yeah. because yeah. it, people are like, well, I don't, I don't think I can work 60 hours a week again Yeah. and, and justify it when yeah. I now am able to spend time with my kids. And totally. a lot of people who spent time with their kids were like, it's too much time with my kids, but, yeah. the, but as, <laughs> I can't wait to go back to the office. Right. Yeah. But as my stepmother always said, what you're getting from me is quantity time. And Aww. from quantity time <laughs> comes quality time. That's so nice. she's like, yeah. we can't afford quality time. So what you're going to get is quantity time. And <laughs> w- hidden within there is going to be some nuggets. You're going to love it. It's kind of like the like the value city TJ Maxx model where you're like, you find some real gems. You just got to sift through all the rest, you know? <laughs> Ooh, good point. Way. Good point. We are Prater, uh, like, yeah, yeah, value city parenting. Exactly. I don't mind that. So uh, we are pushing an hour. Thank yes. you so much for being on the program. Uh, Andrea, this, uh, Thanks for having me. sure. And everybody it's of course, majoring in everything is the name of your podcast. And it's at Jones Roy, J O N S J O N E S 
R-O-O-Y, and jonesroy.com is the website. Stand-up comedy in New York City. So uh, find her and and see that and listen to the podcast. This has been fascinating, and it's something I've never cared about. So I love, this is one of my favorite things about the Dork Forest. (laughs) It's such a good idea for a show just to like, what do you mind about like, no such thing as too much minutiae. And I was like, wow, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Whatever, whatever we're talking about, if it's Paddington yeah. 2, uh, <laughs> I need to know frame by frame what you loved about yeah. it. So yeah. thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me and letting me talk about this stuff. Normally it's my students who hate me for talking about it. So I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, and Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?